This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's a mouthful. Joint All-Domain Command and Control, the Defense Department's project known as JADC-2, aims for a single enterprise network into which all of the armed services can plug. For a progress report from the contractor point of view, at the Sea Air Space Conference, I caught up with the Chief Technology Officer at Northrop Grumman, Scott Stapp. When we look at JADC2 holistically, we look at it as essentially the internet of warfighting things, what uh, has transpired on the internet where, you know, from your cell phone, you can command and control your entire life off every aspect of it, from medical to finance to entertainment to travel. I think the government is looking at the same thing. What they're looking at um, right now is how do you do that in the most effective fashion? Because you can't conquer everything at once and tie it together. So they're looking at what are the most effective things to tie together to start with and show how that improves uh, uh, warfighting effectiveness and improves your kill chain opportunities. Because Admiral Gilday said that they've had a third spiral. They're not satisfied with where they are yet on all of this, but yet it's not a contractualized program, really, as we understand it, in, in building anything yet. Right. So, so I think in a lot of ways, you're going to look at these as, as more exercise opportunities. So there's, there's one that was done recently um, that was literally just last week, and it was part of um, IBCS, which is Integrated Air and Missile Defense Battle Command System from the Army. And normally that is a Patriot battery system with a bunch of Sentinel radars or Patriot radars. What they did is they tied in Marine Corps radar called Gator and an F-35 radar and they actually fired a missile not using any of their organic assets. They used external assets. That had never been done before, and they do a shoot down. So I think those exercises start looking at what that data flow looks like, what that opportunity looks like uh, by integrating external capabilities. Got it. So it's almost like controlling your thermostat from your phone that when is you're exactly out for dinner or something like that. Well, and I think you'll see it grow up the same way there is, is when, when you first had your phone, it really was a flip phone. It was just a phone. And then you started tying in other capabilities where you could text. And then it started allowing you to access your bank account. But, but the concept of Uber or Waze wouldn't have even existed just 10 years ago. So as you start to connect things and more data is available, that opportunity space also grows. And I imagine they must have bandwidth and reliability and all of those issues basic to any network to be able to enable all of that in a way that they can do what they want to do functionally. Uh, Absolutely true. So uh, what you see back in the old 3G days was you couldn't do a lot of data, right? You needed the 4G network to come in. The the DoD is going to have the same issue. Comms and networking are always going to be the limitations when you want to start integrating everything together. So where we are today is very similar to where I would say Apple was with the iPod. You actually plugged it in, downloaded it, left, went somewhere, but you couldn't update it. And then as, at, at some point when the network was available, you get data. iPods are almost non-existent anymore, and you can do real-time updates on your phone. I think the DODs look at the same thing. We're, we're more in that iPod state where you download a mission profile, you download a threat profile, you fly out, you fly back and nothing's changed. As we increase our comms and networking capabilities, it'll be much more real-time warfighting capabilities. Got it, so from a, say, a Northrop Grumman standpoint, then it's a function of systems integration and programming, but not really invention of new technology here. I would say that's, I would say that's absolutely true. I think, I, th- I think there are gonna be some new technologies. There's some uh, AI, ML, artificial intelligence, machine learning capabilities as we look at data, especially as it applies to the Department of Defense. I think there's gonna be some comms and networking because you can't do it all through 
what has been commercially done in, in 4G and now 5G. So there will be some new technologies, but I don't think any of them are huge obstacles. I think most of it right now to JADC2 is really how is really more cultural. How do you integrate everybody together and getting them on the same sheet of music? Yes, because beyond that concept, you've had each ARM services member will have its own rendition of this operation, overmatch and so forth for the Navy. And so somehow they have to use standards or open standards, I would imagine, such that eventually all the armed services will be interoperable on this JADC2. So, so, so you, what you definitely want is you want open standards and open architectures. They, they may not come up with the same exact capabilities, and I think this is where defense industry actually plays a huge role, which is which each defense prime contractor actually plays across all services. And this is where right. combining the role of JADC2 and CTO really helps. So as, as we do something for the Army or the Navy or the Air Force or the Marines, we can invest IRAD dollars to ensure when they want to connect, we've made it available so they can connect. We don't leave them in isolation. So I think industry can play that role of, of some, somewhat of an integrator with the services. Yeah, in some sense, you can probably give them a better picture than they can get themselves of what's going on in the other service because you've programmed it or, or built it. I, I think that's very true. <laughs> and so in some ways, this is a, I go back to when they disconnected Autodin and then we had Wimix, if I'm really dating myself, <laughs> yeah. this is kind of that for the 21st century in 5G. I, I, I think it is. In fact, I, another good example is when you had uh, the PC wars and they kind of settled into kind of uh, basically Microsoft PCs and, and Apple. Originally, you couldn't share files between those two. I remember those right? days. Where people liked a Microsoft basically platform, but not the PC. They love the Apple PC, but now today they make it seamless where you can actually share across. Yeah, so we're going to get into those environments. So it's really a fundamental shift to an architecture and the components will come and go, but the basic architecture should be durable. Absolutely. So what you'll see is, is very similar to commercial. You can't buy a phone, a tablet, a computer, anywhere in the world that doesn't plug into the internet. The internet. So with, when, when the DoD comes up with their architecture, they should not be developing platforms, whether they're space, air, land, sea, undersea, that doesn't automatically plug into the network. And again, looking at it from the industry standpoint, how do they do this in such a way that it can't be easily duplicated by enemies, that type of capability? Well, and I think, I think our, our adversaries are looking at doing very similar things. What they recognize is when you're, when you're operating what they classify as a highly contested environment you can't get in, you do have to integrate things from space and other realms. The, the question is, is how effectively can, you can do it. You still need end items, right? So very similar to the internet, you still need you know, TVs and you need speakers and other things. The end items still need to be very capable. By, by making them data-centric, you make them more capable. You still need kinetic things that blow up and kill the other guy. Well, I, I, uh, so we're, we don't, but you need capabilities that um, you've increased their effectiveness by giving them more data and interaction in the architecture. And are you hearing signals that they want to remain vendor independent, or at least not have vendor lock-in as they move forward with the operational components down the line? 100% for sure. So, so one of the one of the agreements, basically not agreements, one of the statements we've made from our CEO level all the way through the company is: is no one should own the data or the network except for the U.S. government. What we should do is be able to plug in and play and make our platforms more effective by doing that. We should be able to develop software capabilities where they can process and use the data more effectively, but the data and the network need to be government-owned. It needs to be open-architected. And so would it be fair to characterize industry at this point as simply watching what's going on and 
Oh, no, no, no. I, I wouldn't say we're just watching, but I, I, I will tell you, I think, um, again, JADC2, and you, and you put it really good, JADC2 is really not a destination. It's a journey. And, and they're a little bit at the beginning of this journey, so we have to take our cues from the DOD, but we're actively pursuing capabilities and looking at how you integrate different, especially within, within our company in Northrop Grumman, how you integrate those capabilities, how we play with partners from other primes to ensure they're integrated in, because we can't make it just about ourselves and how we tie all that stuff together. So we're actively doing that on IRAD. We're working with the government to look at what the next opportunities are and what are the best war fighting capabilities to tie together and then pushing from there. Scott Stapp is Chief Technology Officer at Northrop Grumman, speaking at the Navy League's Sea Air Space Conference. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 